This is Dale Jr., and you're listening to Dirty Mo' Radio. If you told me to pick any race car and go out on a racetrack for a day just to play, I'd pick a sprint car any day of the week. They have over 900 horsepower. They only weigh about 1,200 pounds. I shouldn't tell you all this stuff because Carson's never going to get a chance. You're trying to talk me into it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And the races are exciting. They're fun. Welcome to Fast Lane Family with Kelly Earnhardt Miller. Welcome to Fast Lane Family, presented by Charlie's Soap. Go online and check out their products at charliesoap.com. Their slogan is Live Green, Be Clean. So if you're looking for products to clean your home and your laundry that are environmentally friendly, these are the products that you need. They are safe and non-toxic, but they will clean every mess that you have. This week in studio, I'm excited to have with me Aaron Everham. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Good. You're quite welcome. I'm glad that you said you could be here. Yeah. yeah. I've listened to a bunch of to the shows, it. and they're very entertaining for us Good. girls. Good. Good. I like the old family lifestyle part of it. Yeah. Um, well, I'm hoping that that's what's coming across, and we've had had a guy or two here and there. All right. Well, let's dive in. So I have really been enjoying interviewing the different people that I've had on because I get to learn so much. So I'm excited to learn uh, a lot about you, too. So tell me, family of racers, how did you get involved in, in racing? Yeah, I grew up around racing. My dad actually never raced, but he always worked on race cars. So um, he had my older brothers racing quarter midgets when I was born. And my parents' first date was to a race. So I really didn't have a chance. And I have two older sisters who I'm really close with, but I really did everything my brothers did. I played ice hockey. I you know, was all into the dirt and out playing on bicycles and quite the tomboy. What area did you grow up in? Grew up in Massachusetts. Oh, okay. Not really a hotbed of That's racing. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah, like racing, like she must have grew up in the Midwest or somewhere. <laughs> no, there's a few tracks in Connecticut, and there's a lot of dirt tracks yeah. in New York State. So I found yeah. it. The sprint cars, yeah, of Pennsylvania and all those yeah. areas. I mean, there is a lot more up there than I think we tend to kind of yeah. think that there is, you know. I guess the Southerners know about, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, New York has, I, I think it used to be the most amount of dirt tracks for one single state. I mean, it yeah. could have changed by how many have closed or whatnot, but there's a ton of racing up there. You just have to look for it. Yeah, our fans always will say, um, oh, yeah, I'm from Pennsylvania, and yeah, there's I know there's not much racing that goes on up there or New York or whatever from a NASCAR perspective, but usually the top five states, Pennsylvania and New York, are always right yeah. up there in the mix uh, for the north of, as far as fans and souvenir sales and all those kind of things. So. Yeah. I think there's a lot of dirt tracks, not as many pavement tracks. Yeah, there's yeah, a few. But. Exactly. So tell me about racing. Um, you, you got into a quarter midget when you were seven mm-hmm. and then moved up from there. So let's go through a little bit of your career. Yeah, so I guess I, I just wanted to do everything my brothers did. Grew up at the racetrack, had all my little friends at the, at the racetrack. Probably a little bit like what Carson and Kennedy do now. Yep. Uh, first time I got in the car, I was like a wild lady. I was just full throttle. And they tried to set a, like a little stop on the throttle so I could only go so fast. But it didn't work, so I was flying around the track, and my brother actually, like, went to wave or call me in, and I thought he was, like, calling me into the pits like I watch them do all the time, so I flew in there. I almost hit this fence. It was quite the scene. I started my whole career off on a quite entertaining <laughs> moment. Um, so, yeah, I raced quarter midgets until I was about 15, and then I moved up to mini sprints. And then my dad actually passed away when I was 17, so at that point, I wasn't sure if I could continue racing because till that point, he had owned all the race cars. Um, but I just loved it and wanted to stay around it. My brothers kept racing. So I literally just kept going to the track and I knew that I was never getting an opportunity if I stayed home and sat on my couch. So I just went to the track and told people what I wanted to do and, um, was nice enough to get an opportunity to race a few sprint cars and kind of took off from there. So talk about sprint car racing. That's something that I'm not sure I want Carson to, to get into. You're going to have to help me out here. I always talk to her about it. (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, I love sprint cars. To me, I mean, NASCAR is wonderful and it provided me a great opportunity, but sprint cars to me are the most fun to drive. If you told me to pick any race car and go out on a racetrack for a day just to play, I'd pick a sprint car any day of the week. They have over 900 horsepower. They only weigh about 1,200 pounds. I shouldn't tell you all this stuff because no, no. Carson's never going to get a chance. You're but trying <laughs> to talk me into it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the races are just, they're exciting. They're fun. They're 30 laps, 40 laps max. And it's good because I don't really have a big attention span. So I think that's maybe why I struggled in the stock cars. But I, yeah, I just love sprint cars. Got the opportunity to drive for a guy out of New York named uh, Mike Woodring. And he, at the time, he was like the seven-time champion of this series. So he said if I could come up with some money for sponsorship, he'd run me in a second car. So I was super excited, and I was in college. I started sending all these sponsorship proposals out, my roommate and I. Like, I was, yeah, kind of crazy. It sounds like about Dale and I did that when uh, Dale was racing late models the first year. I'm in Wilmington, and I'm typing up all these yeah. this 25-page typed proposal sending out we had yeah. no clue what we were I had doing. no clue either <laughs> and I um, started a website at the time and this was you know 15 years ago now or so so it was pretty early on yeah. and I was like sure this was going to happen and of course like everyone I got told no a million times and then a professor of mine at my college I went to Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute an engineering school and he pulled me aside he knew what I was doing because I was missing a few classes because I was at the racetrack <laughs> He said, why don't you talk to, you know, a few people, the dean of admissions, a few other women, because I think there's an opportunity either for a grant or scholarship or sponsorship, because women in racing are like women in engineering. There's very few. So I was like, all right, try every path. And I went to meet with the dean of admission. I remember I had this little trifold, like, thing I had made up all gloss and all fancy. And she was looked at it, and she was like, all right, well, what do you think you need for a season? And I was like, oh. Oh, I'm not really that talk, prepared. Talk money right <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah, so I just threw out a number, and by the time I got back to my sorority house, yep, I was in a sorority, <laughs> uh, the email was there saying, we're willing to give you this sponsorship, and I will wow. never forget it, because I feel like that was a, a huge break. If that didn't happen, I might not have ever had a racing career. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, from there we went on, and that year I raced full-time in 360 sprint car, and I, I think I won six or seven races, so... That was the beginning of it. And not the end. No. You went no, on and done more from there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. So while you're doing, while you're racing and doing this sponsorship proposal and trying to figure out how you're going to get in this 360 sprint car, you're getting an engineering degree. What made you go to school for engineering? Well, and my family, and I give credit to my parents and my siblings, like college wasn't really an option. It was like where you're, you're going, going here, not right. if. <laughs> it was where. So I didn't even really know any different, which was a good thing, and I appreciate that from my parents. And my SAT scores, my, I'm very math science brain. My SAT scores were so off balance. Like my verbal was way low and my math was really <laughs> high. So I'm like, <laughs> all right, engineering something with my math mind. Um, so I knew engineering, and then I got a scholarship from RPI. So that kind of led me to New York State, which worked out really well racing-wise. Um, in the first two years... In college, I played lacrosse there, and I was trying to race, but I only had a few opportunities. And it was after my sophomore year that I had met that Mike Woodring and got the opportunity to race full-time. And, man, it was really hard to race three or four nights a week and then go back and study for exams or do homework. And I remember calling my mom being like, I just don't want to do it. And she's like, you're finishing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm paying this much. You're, you're there. You can't guarantee that racing is going to take you anywhere. You need to do this. So I kind of suffered through it halfway there and I'm so glad that I did but yeah at that point it was like all right I count down like all right only three more semesters <laughs> only two more semesters so I got this so what um, provided the move from the sprint cars into ARCA and NASCAR well I won a world of outlaw race in 2004 and that kind of put my name media wise and making the Knoxville Nationals those were huge for me and at the time it was perfect timing it was 2000. Um, four, and there was a big push for diversity in NASCAR. There was a lot of driver development programs. 
And I knew that I, I really wanted to go IndyCar racing. Well, I was going to ask you about yeah. that too. Yeah. So tell me about so that. So I spent some time in Indianapolis and there was just no opportunity. It was what money I could bring. And at that point, I still had a sponsorship from the college, but <laughs> in an IndyCar <laughs> budget, that wouldn't get you very far. In the meantime, Ford came along and asked me to do this little trial thing. They wanted to find a woman who they would back. So I went through that little program, and I actually was the, the winner of the, the girls they had. We did some testing and some physical training, all sorts of whatnot, trying to find their next development driver. So that went really well. And then they gave me this big, giant contract, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I have no idea what I'm doing. So Lynn St. James was actually helping me at the time, and she introduced me to John Bickford. John was like, no, you need to get an agent. You need to, we need to do this the right way. So I'm very thankful for that because I had no clue what I was doing. And at this point, my dad had passed away. My mom knows nothing about racing. She's a huge Aaron <laughs> supporter, but totally not into racing. So. She's got five kids, right? Yeah. There's five of you. Yeah. <laughs> so so she, yeah, she kind of has her hands full. <laughs> so uh, at that time, Alan Miller represented me, who represents um, Jimmy. Or he, I don't know. I think he still does. Yeah, still does. Um, and he was great. And at the time, he was like, well, this contract with Ford is nice and blah, blah, blah. But why don't we see what else is out there? So at that time I met Ray Evernham and um, some other owners and we talked basically what was the, the most fair situation was what I wanted and when I met with Ray and I'm not saying this because he's my husband now but at the time it was really fair it was like all right here's the deal we'll run so many ARCA races we'll run so many Silver Crown races and so many nationwide races in one year and at the end of the year we'll have the option both of us have an option I was like wow this is really fair the other deal was like 10 years the other one was 15 <laughs> there was like no guarantee so that's really how I ended up driving for Ray and I have to give Casey a little bit of credit Casey Kane he and his brother had said to Ray if you're ever going to look at a woman driver you need to consider Aaron because I was racing sprint cars yeah, so yeah. they racing that so yep. you have to give yep. them a little credit for that Cool. Very cool. So you make the move into NASCAR in 2005. And I read somewhere Ray told you that of all the racing you've done, and you've raced for, I don't know, at that point, 10, what, 10, 10 yeah, years, over 10, 12, yeah. over, over 10 years, uh, that that was going to be the hardest year in racing that you had been mm -hmm. involved in. Was he right? Yeah, he said that. <laughs> it was um, it was the year that we were going to run full nationwide, which we ended up doing full truck, and I ran six um, nationwide and seven ARCA races. So it was like 42 races or so on the schedule. And I remember him saying, this is going to be the most difficult year you've ever faced. And I was like, I ran the World of Outlaws. I ran 102 races last year. Like, whatever. There's nothing harder than racing at Steve Kinzer and Sammy Swindell every night. But he was, uh, he was right on, because with racing in NASCAR, there's a lot more media attention. There's a lot more... Uh, pressure sponsorship wise and uh, it, it was definitely challenging it was it was great I certainly look back and wish that this was different or that was different because I still think that I didn't show my true potential whether I really would have done wonders I don't know but I think I should have could have done better than I did so I understand that <laughs> and, and you know I raced myself in the in the 90s and it's really hard to put into words I think from a female perspective what what happens and, and why you can't get to the next step. Like, mm -hmm. you know, the guys, it's just so normal and natural for, for the guys. They work in the shop. They, you know, they work on cars from sunup to sundown. And, you know, all their buddies want to help. And, you know, that was the thing yeah. that I went through. And late models, like, my girlfriends looked at me and I'm like, you know, I need some help here. And they're like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, you want to I can hold this piece of paper, <laughs> you know? And it's like, no, like, 
we got to do this. And, yeah. you know, even for myself, I was holding down a full-time job with um, Sports Image and Action Performance. So, you know, what what kind of things happened for you and what, what do you feel like the barriers were then um, because you had this opportunity, but it's just still so hard to make something of it? Yeah, I think, like you said, one of the harder things is the people around you and being a female. And unless you are a female in the role, you don't know what it's like. But it went from racing a sprint car on the World of Outlaw Tour with three crew guys. It was just four of us that lived on the road, worked on the car. I mean, it was not the ideal situation going from living in a sorority house to living on the road. But that's a whole nother story. But the guys that were on my sprint car team, I knew they really believed in me and they really wanted. We were like one team unit. Everyone believed in it. We worked our tails off. And then I came to NASCAR and it was like, you don't work on your car. And I didn't do a ton of stuff on the sprint car, but I knew a lot about it. And I did my share because I had to. There was yeah. only a few of us. So right away, I felt like a little bit of a disconnect. Like, what if I want to be in here helping the guys? And it was almost like you're not supposed to as a driver. I'm like, uh. And then you go from a crew of three to a crew of 12 or 8 or 10 on your ARCA team and then 15 on your truck team. And to get all those guys to really believe in me is really hard. Yeah. And then you have one that really doesn't. And it's like a bad seed and it kind of spreads. You have a few bad races. I feel like, and I had a, a lot of wonderful crew guys. I don't want them <laughs> listening to think that I, I mean, I had a lot of great guys. Like I think about Ronnie Hornaday the third. He was uh, my car chief and he was great. My crew chiefs were great. But I just feel like to get everyone to really believe in me and really work their tails off was really, it was hard. Yeah. It was hard for them to all really think that a woman could really do it. What do you see then to now, you know, almost 10 years later, uh, the challenges that females face? I think it's the same, really, and it's kind of interesting. I've I've recently become friends with Danica, and we've had this conversation. And it, even for her, she we it's it's the same thing. And I think right now she's got some good momentum and she's in a good good place. But I think she fought the same exact things when she got here. Yeah, well, having had her drive here for several years, you know, you're right. You've you've got your group of people on the road that you can you can work out those relationships and get yeah. those people behind you and those eight or 10 people that are traveling with you. But you've got 80 here in a shop, you know, that are behind the scenes doing the work and they need to believe and, and believe yeah. that you can do it too. So and I think the same thing goes for sponsorship too. You you get a big company behind you and there's a lot of pressure to succeed right away. And then it's the same thing. If, if one person there starts to really question whether you're actually going to be the first female to do it, like there's no yeah. history, there's no <laughs> record that goes back and be like, Oh yeah, women can definitely do this. We need to sponsor this one. Right. So I think, that risk for sponsors is always going to be there. Well, not always, but it's still there. What's your hope for, um, you know, a female race car driver in motorsports, period? Um, I, I just hope that there is a few of them out there that really show that women can do it and win big races. I think that Danica's closer now than she's ever been. Well, I mean, obviously she's won a big IndyCar race, but as far as NASCAR goes, women in drag racing have been very successful. They're on fire yeah. this year. <laughs> yeah, and I think that it's just something that's going to happen gradually over time where it just becomes more and more accepted. But I, I tell people all the time that I don't think it's ever going to be like completely normal because there's just not that many women interested. You have hundreds of thousands of guys that want to be professional race cars drivers. Yeah. You have, what, 2,000 maybe that might be a, a woman that wants to be a, a professional race car driver. So the, the odds are always going to be yep, stacked against Yeah, you. Yep, for sure. I interviewed um, Shirley Modowney for yes. Speed Sport. And that was a really eye-opening experience to interview her and hear about what she faced in the 40s and 50s and 60s racing and people throwing full soda cans at her. And, oh, my gosh, it was like, all right, we have come a long way. We were just talking uh, with Wendy Venturini and mm -hmm. talking about her mom being, she was one of the first female tire changers. Her dad had put together this female crew and mm -hmm. for their sponsor. And, and she said, yeah, the, you know, the same thing. They had to escort her mom through the garages. Yeah. And 
I mean, I was a kid, you know, in the 80s, and the, the wives and the children, we didn't go in there until, you know, after the race, or, yeah. you know, we never really skirted through there and, and ran around or anything. Of course, the kids are there a lot nowadays, and NASCAR's yeah. more inviting to the children, you know, I think, and allowing them in the garages and stuff, but I bet those were some crazy stories back then. Yeah. Yeah, I think in a lot of ways, society has come a long way. Yes. Accepting women in, in motorsports and... I said this with Wendy Ventrini, you know, as society has adapted and it will continue to adapt, hopefully the opportunities will continue to adapt as well in, in sports, not just motorsports, but for females everywhere. So you mentioned Speed Sport Magazine and Mav TV. Talk about that. You've, you've been doing a lot of interviews. and Yeah, and it's been a, a wonderful experience. I've known Ralph Shaheen for a long time and I saw that they were going to start this television show and I, um, he, we actually I bumped into him somewhere and mentioned that I'd be interested in doing it and it's been a wonderful experience. They're, they're really focusing on grassroots racing and kind of trying to take over a lot of the programming that is gone now that Speed is gone. It's been fun. Like I said, I interviewed Shirley Modowney last week. I've interviewed Rico Abreu, who's coming up racing. I've inter- I interviewed Steve Kinzer on Friday. So for me, I'm it's like this is really work. It's, <laughs> it's really it's enjoyable and it's been fun to learn TV. It's harder than it looks, for sure. It is. We called that race that Carson was in and Kennedy both at Millbridge, the Speed Sport Challenge, and I was the color analyst with with Ralph and Ralph's doing the play-by-play. But holy heck, I was like a fish out of water. First of all, we didn't really have rosters and didn't know who was who, which made things extremely challenging. But on top of that, you've got like 10-second laps that they're running. And Ralph is calling stuff, and then all of a sudden you're supposed to add like some color. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my gosh. The heat races. I was a hot mess. I'm like, all right, it's one thing to sit down and interview someone. It's a whole other thing to call a live race. We talked to Wendy about that, too. You know, she's going to be the first female to to call a race here in September on PRN and uh, I was like what do you you know just in the pit even the pit reporting part you know how do you study what do you prepare for I mean there is a lot that goes yeah into there's it a behind lot behind yeah mm-hmm. even you know talking about your interview questions and, and talking to Shirley Mordowney you know you've there's research you want to yep. you know be aware yeah, you don't want to come in there and ask a question Sounds stupid. that she's like oh, wait a second, <laughs> you don't know this and you're interviewing me I actually had to watch her movie again well I didn't really have to but I wanted to yeah. heart like a wheel which yeah. was really cool so you're also a um, instructor for BMW talk about that yeah they have a uh, performance driving school in Spartanburg, South Carolina, just outside of Spartanburg and Greer. And that's been a wonderful job. It's kind of part-time because it's about an hour and 40-minute drive each way and commute, so that gets old pretty quick. But the instructing has been awesome. The instructors down there are great to work with. We do everything from teen driving schools to really advanced driving schools. We go to road courses. And through that has come stunt driving opportunities and different commercials. Um, so it's a really wonderful company to work for, and it's just been great because I can do it part-time and still do all the other things that I like to do. So what do you do instructing-wise when you get on there for, like, a teen driving school? What does that consist of? Uh, a lot of basic stuff for the teen driving school. We get them, but one thing that I love about the teen driving school, and I really think everyone should have to go through a more difficult driving test than just your quick little thing of the DMV because cars are pretty dangerous. So we put them on the skid pad. This is a big 180-degree or, or 360-degree, like, giant circle, 180 feet wide, polished pavement, put sprinklers on it, and get them sideways so they have to learn how to correct the car and make them push so they have to learn what that feels like. Um, so basic stuff like that like that no one teaches them. Now, know? are you in the driver's seat For teaching? that, I'm in the... In okay. The, 
I'm in the passenger oh, seat, you're in the which passenger is very seat. interesting sometimes. And you know, I have my emergency brake, but that's all I've got if they get a lot of control. And sometimes they panic and just stomp on the gas, and you're like, no. So, yeah, that's quite interesting. Oh, that'd be crazy. Yeah. For, but a lot of the instructing that we do elsewhere, we actually stand outside of the car because you can see more of what they're doing. You know, their eyes are looking down or, or whatnot, and we talk to them over radio. Oh, okay. Sounds pretty cool. Yeah, we teach a lot about distracted driving, too, with texting being such an issue these days. We have them uh, remote uh, radio, and we have these water walls that pop up. So they do it first, not distracted. And then we start asking them, like, random trivia questions to get them to try to lose focus on, on the road. And sure enough, they fly off the road. <laughs> so the idea is that you scare them, that it's how easy it is to be distracted and, and miss Right, it. and figure it out. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned earlier, and you're laughing, uh, married to Ray Abraham, mm -hmm. and you're very active on Twitter, got your dog, your fur babies, you uh, life with Ray J as a stepmom. So, yep. um, you know, what's home life and what do you guys do and enjoy? Well, like any, you know, NASCAR type home life, it's <laughs> not very normal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. We're home very rarely, but uh, we like to go to the movies. Ray J um, is actually has Asperger's, form of autism. He's awesome. He's a really He's my bud. I just took him to lunch just a few minutes ago. So he's into movies. We see a lot of movies. Uh, we went to the beach last week. We just bought a condo in Florida, so that's pretty exciting. We get to decorate and do all that fun stuff. Cool. So um, we're pretty laid back when we're home. We have, you know, fortunate enough to live on the lake, so we try to get out on a little boat and got our little pontoon. <laughs> Call it our floating living room. <laughs> Yeah. So do you travel every weekend, Ray, and you travel most um, weekends? Not really. Now that, you know, he sold the team and he's not doing ESPN, he's working for Mr. Hendrick again. So he'll probably go to 15 races okay, this yeah. year. And I pick and choose which ones I want to go to based on the area. Like yeah. I went to Daytona because I hadn't seen, you know, friends in a long time <laughs> and you can stay on the beach. And then I'll go to Phoenix because you can stay in Scottsdale. So, yeah. I'm not like always a big race fan sometimes if there's like better shopping or pool or yeah <laughs> we were talking about that with Chris, <laughs> Chrissy of course as a mom she's like I'm scoping out all the kid activities that I yeah. can do now you know but before that you know whether it was shopping or, or finding something in the area yeah. that you can do you know so instead of sitting in the four walls of a motorhome yeah actually just went to Sonoma for that reason again where she said the same <laughs> stayed with Chrissy and, and Sherry they're good friends so we might have just hung out by the pool all day Saturday yeah yeah, it's difficult. I had a few fruity drinks. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Chrissy was getting a little out of control because the girls stayed home. She, you know, the West Coast travel right. was a little difficult. So she had a, a parents weekend. Ray was actually at the pool with us and kept ordering her beverages. You'll <laughs> have to ask her about it. <laughs> She'll be so uh, mad at me for talking about yeah, it. Yeah, she won't talk about that on the radio. Uh, no, but I uh, do. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned Ray J and Asperger's, and, and Ray has, a, uh, and you and Ray have a charity, Ignite. Talk yep. about that at Davidson. Yeah, we, um, once Ray J graduated from high school, because he's pretty high-functioning, Asperger's, there wasn't much for him. You know, it's hard enough for any 18-year-old to decide whether you're going to go to college, whether you're not, if you're going to get a job, how do you live independently. Like, all those things are hard enough for a normal, neurotypical adult. So then you have someone with Asperger's or autism, and their biggest area that they struggle is social interaction. So all of that is just so overwhelming. So we sent him to a school in Michigan that kind of specialized in Asperger's and autism, and it helped him, but it was really hard having him in, in Michigan. So we looked around here and there was nothing. I mean, we so we talked to the people from the Autism Society of North Carolina and decided to try to open our own place here in Davidson. And, and Davidson is a great community, the college town, so it's very diverse. And we started this little, it's kind of like a clubhouse. And adults 18 and over with Asperger's or high-functioning autism can become members. And they've got social activities. They, they have different things to learn about cooking and cleaning and personal hygiene and how to write a resume and how to do interviews. So it's just really a place where they, they'll feel comfortable with people like themselves and it, they can learn. 
And it's actually gone really, really well. We get calls from all over the world, which kind of tells us there's a big need for mm -hmm. it. We think right now we have 42 members. We were going to keep it like 12, 18. But some of our members have started to do so well now that they have jobs and they're living on their own. It's like, all right, we can accept more. So I think at, right now we're up to like 42 wow. members. Yeah. That's awesome. So you mentioned stunt driving. What's some fun stunt driving that you've done in the past uh, well, I months. was in a Southwest Airlines commercial. Well, that was like last year. Oh, well, whenever. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else have I done? I've done some stunt driving for Danica through Hammerhead. I just did a commercial. Well, I, sh I think it's going to be on the Nickelodeon Kids. Oh, yeah, the, for the yeah. TV Sports Kids Choice Awards. Yeah, they called and like asked that. me if I would do donuts in a Camaro. Uh, all right. Sure. Sure, <laughs> absolutely. So that was fun. That was, I think, just last week or the week before we did that. I did some stunt driving for or riding for her on a Can-Am Spider commercial, which... That was kind of interesting. I got there and they're like, oh, so you're the stunt rider. And I was like, uh, I, I, I guess. And they're like, well, what have you ridden before? I'm like, oh, I mean, mostly four wheels. I'm, I'm not really <laughs> used to it. They're like, oh, are you going to be all right? I'm like, yeah, we'll figure it out. So it was fun. I can do this. Yeah, we were doing about 90 miles an hour on the top of the banking at Charlotte in the rain. Oh, my so goodness. It was it was actually really fun. And then Ray was like, were you out there in the rain? <laughs> How why, fast were you going? Why are you doing this again? Wait, what? I saw uh, Marcus Smith, and he was like, was that you out there? Like, yeah, I thought it was kind of fun. He was like, I was thinking, whoever the heck that is, they're crazy. But it was pretty stable with the, the three wheels. So have you hung your helmet up? Do you do any racing these days or want to tinker with anything? <laughs> you know how it is yeah. as a driver. You never say never, but I pretty much hung up the helmet. I'm still interested in maybe doing some off-road racing or things where you don't have to be fully committed. Yeah. Um, I went back sprint car racing in 2009 and had some success. We made the Knoxville Nationals in 2010 with our own car, but we're trying to do it part-time because we have all these other commitments that we enjoy. You know, we enjoy the Ignite charity. We enjoy, Ray enjoys helping Mr. Hendrick and TV and all this other stuff. So it's hard to now give up all that and just focus 100% on sprint cars. And of all forms of motorsport, sprint car racing, you have to dedicate like every day to it. You have to run 60 to 80 races in a year to even be really competitive. So I had to make the choice. It was like all or nothing. What was nothing, and then you know you go to the sprint <laughs> car race, and you're like, darn, you're it. like, dang it, I really miss it. So never say never, but pretty much. So what's the future hold for you? Ooh, I don't know. Um, life is pretty good, so hopefully if it stays like this, I'm I'm good. You know, I enjoy the speed sport stuff that I'm doing. It's not um, a huge commitment, and what it, it it's a lot of local stuff. And then it's interviewing people that race all you know grassroots racing, which is really my passion. I mean, I love. I I don't. Say, not speaking anything negative about NASCAR stock car racing, but the grassroots stuff is what I grew up with. Every Saturday night it was with my family at the racetrack, and I have such awesome memories of that. So to try to, you know, help that passion along to the younger generations is something I'm interested in doing and helping Ignite. Um, I'll still be around the sport forever. It's, yeah. it's what I love. So, Amanda, in continuing to use the Charlie Soap product and trying out all of their products, this past weekend, I got the opportunity to do some laundry. Don't you like how I put that? Got the opportunity <laughs> to do laundry. That's yeah. probably a daily thing with as many children as you have running around. Yes, laundry is <laughs> daily. This weekend, my kids managed to use like 18 beach towels from the pool, so yep. I did extra loads of laundry. But we had one person on Twitter that wanted to know, is it HE friendly for your um, high efficiency high efficiency for the washing machine? And it is. So they do have the HE products. And so in doing the laundry this weekend, I came across one of Kennedy, which is my eight-year-old's shirts, with um, uh, let's say about three dollops of melted chocolate <laughs> on her shirt. 
I now know why and how, where the chocolate came from, because as we proceeded to clean her room over the weekend, there was chocolate all over the floor. She was, she's still eating on a chocolate bunny from Easter. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I can believe that. And so her and her friends, uh, there was chocolate all over the floor. So, so now I know why there is chocolate all over this shirt. So I thought, oh, Charlie soap pre-wash laundry spray and got that out and, and soaked it down. And I kind of um, took the fabric and rubbed it together yeah. and, and really, you know, got it recommend that. nice and wet in one wash. Uh, two of them came out completely. I had one that was a, a little bit thicker and bigger mm -hmm. and I, I did it a second time and got them all out. So that was a, that's a hard stain to get out yeah. too. I've, yeah. I have spilled chocolate on myself before. So, yeah. <laughs> so chocolate wasn't on there. It's not listed on their things that it gets out that I've seen on the packaging. Now it might be on the, their website yeah. somewhere. It gets out chocolate too. Still using it in my laundry and, and really, you know, I, I, I like it. It's working well for us, and my husband likes it because it's um, fragrance-free. So Yeah, it, we use it at home now, too, and it has worked wonders on my fiancé's shop clothes. He works over oh, Hendrick, so yeah. he comes home, and he always smells awful, and I can't stand it, and his clothes reek. I, I refuse to, uh, to wash them with my clothes, but it has helped a lot to get a lot of those grease stains yeah. and, and rear-end gear oil and everything else that they get on themselves over there out. So Yeah. Cool. I know a lot of people think that they want to cover up stuff like that with fragrance, but you're not really doing yourself any no. favors, you know, by covering it up with, uh, you know, lavender field of green smell <laughs> or whatever it is. So we, we like the fragrance free option. So I'm glad that Charlie Soap is made fragrance free. Go online to charliesoap.com and check out their full line of products. You can purchase the products on their website or use the store locator to find a retail store in your area that carries their product. We also want to hear from you, so test out their products with me and send me a tweet to let me know what you think. We'll start airing your responses right here on Fastlane Family. All right, it's time for Ask Kelly. Remember that you can submit your questions by Twitter at Earnhardt Kelly using the hashtag Ask Kelly, and then we'll also take questions on Facebook at Kelly K. Earnhardt. First question is from Facebook from Katie Richards. What is your favorite side dish to bring or serve at a pool party? Good question. I like to bring, usually I take like dip type things. So I have this crab ball that I make with cream cheese and imitation crab. And then we throw a uh, cocktail sauce on it. And that's always a um, crowd pleaser. You just take wheat thins or something of that nature, triscuits and, you know, spread on there. Everybody loves cream cheese, right? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I also... Uh, have this you know it's I think it's your typical kind of broccoli salad with the sunflower seeds and you make the dressing with the sugar and vinegar and you you have cheese and bacon and sunflower seeds and raisins I think and broccoli so probably the typical things that there's I don't have anything you know out there that you're probably having nobody's having that aha moment for mm -hmm. anything that I bring I'm kind of <laughs> Typical and normal. But that's the good <laughs> stuff, though, you know. I did take to uh, a pool party a couple years ago these watermelon feta bites, which I thought were a unique combination. Yeah. And you, you put, like, watermelon and feta cheese on a toothpick, and then you drizzled it in a minty dressing and then also a basil leaf. That was pretty good. Wow. That's kind of different. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to try that. So Next question is from Rolf E. Johnson on Facebook. He knows you love Reba, but he wants to know if there is another singer that you're currently in love with, female singer specifically. <laughs> so I know um, Rolf Johnson by his name, and he always sends us um, C's candies here at work. So oh, okay. uh, peanut brittle and all kind of good stuff. They've traveled down to the air, and he mails um, things from time to time. So thank you for that. 
Uh, yes, huge Reba fan, but I guess for other female singers right now, probably Miranda Lambert. I like her music and her style and, you know, listening to uh, her songs are just those songs that just kind of make you, I don't know, they get y'all like hyped up and feisty and, and all. So I like, I like her. At Junior Beverly Jr., with the success of the late model and nationwide teams this year, will Junior Motorsports ever field a truck series team? So she's at Junior Beverly Jr. Either she <laughs> she double likes Junior or she's a Junior fan and she's also a Junior or I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> junior Beverly Jr. <laughs> you know, we, Junior Motorsports is really happy with the programs that we've had. We've always had the late model program because... Dale really feels strongly in the grassroots racing and, you know, that program's been here since we have began and and will be here until we end. And the Nationwide Series, you know, we really just feel like that's perfect for us right now. I don't think, I'm not going to say that we would never field a Truck Series team because we've actually, you know, thought about the K&N East Series and the Truck Series depending upon the driver that we might be thinking through for the potential in the nationwide car. So sometimes, you know, it may make sense to be in the East Series or the Truck Series. But um, for right now, we're extremely happy with our success in both the late model and the nationwide series. All right, it's time for final thoughts, Erin. Sweet or salty? Both. Or... I like sweet and salty, you know, like all the candy now. So you like the mix? I do. Okay, all right. But probably sweet. Okay. Beach or mountains? Beach. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Do you have cats? Mm -mm. I did growing up. I know you have dogs. Yeah. Hills or flats? Oh, ah, depends on the situation. I'm more of flats, but I like I like some heels. Would you like dressing up too? I like shoes. You've probably heard that. Uh, You do. I was wanting to talk about you and your shoes. (laughs) I like shoes, too. It's not that bad. He totally exaggerates. I mean, it, it's a problem, but I bet you it's no worse than maybe you. I mean, Sherry's no, no better than I am. I'm no. So how many pair of shoes do you have? I honestly don't have count, but I would say. A lot of closet space? Yeah. <laughs> Me, too. I have Girl, to. I'm with you. I am right there with you. I actually have this, this dresser in our master bedroom. We have a big closet, so everything's in there. There's drawers and everything in the closet. And there was this dresser out there. I'm Ray's like, well, I don't know, whatever, whatever you want to do with it. So it's filled with shoes. I'm like, it's cool. So you open it up and they're all displayed. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of. And you can see them well. Yeah. I but he exaggerates. When he's on Moody's show and he was telling him one time that we had to convert our garage into a closet. I mean, that was all <laughs> a bunch of bull. But he does catch me with the Zappos boxes quite often. Yeah. That one I time I got yeah. busted on the radio. He was pulling the driveway and we were on with Moody. And he was like, ah. What's this little Zappos box sitting here? I get on there and look for like one thing in particular. And then the next thing you know, I've got like three or four pairs of shoes in my cart. And, and it's like, like free overnight shipping. If yeah. you don't like it, you can just return it. <laughs> but return I always try to dime. beat him home so I can get it to get the box in before he gets home. I'll be in the closet and I'm like, I need a pair of black shoes. And LW is like, well, there, there's like four ten. pair right there. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but they're I, not the right one. That strap doesn't work, and then that doesn't work, and then that hurts my foot. And you know. I hear you. <laughs> I love shoes. I do for In most fact, of them. There's some pairs that you get, and you're like, you really splurge on a, a fancy pair of shoes, and then they're really not that comfortable, and you're like, crap. I, I just that. spent all that money on that pair yeah. of shoes. I've gotten pretty smart with the brands. I have too. You know, the brands that I like. I splurged know. a few times. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that wasn't worth it. Yeah, no. So my first email address and come on people this doesn't work now so don't try it that, it might be someone's <laughs> el- someone else's email was k shoes 38 oh. at msn.com that's how long MS- when you had an msn email <laughs> so yeah i've loved shoes all my life Me all too. right massage or facial massage cook or eat out eat out <laughs> i was a race car driver i can't cook dress or jeans and a tee oh 
jeans and a tee. I was going to say jeans and a tee. I don't know. I mean, I've seen you dressed up, but. I like a dress casual. in the summer because yeah. it's easy. Yeah. But more often than not, jeans yeah. and a tee. City girl, country girl. Country girl. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of country somewhere in Massachusetts. In <laughs> somewhere in the middle. <laughs> well, I'm from Western Mass. I'm not from. I am somewhere in the middle. Actually, yeah, definitely somewhere yeah. in the middle. See, I don't know anything about Massachusetts but Boston, so. Yeah. I, I mean, there's some city. things I like about the city, but yeah. if I had to pick, it would be a country. country. Cool. Yeah, I can't. If I'm in New York City for longer than, like, two days, I start to get anxiety. Yeah. Too many tall buildings. Yeah. All Do right, great. Well, I don't it's like been people. Yeah. <laughs> Well, super. Well, thank you for um, joining me today. And thanks, as always, to you listeners for joining me on Fast Lane Family. Thanks for listening to Dirty Mo Radio. I appreciate everyone tuning in to Fast Lane Family, presented by Charlie's Soap today. Now go visit charliesoap.com and check out their unbelievable line of cleaning products. Tackle some of your toughest cleaning projects and help support this wonderful sponsor of Dirty Mo Radio. Again, that's charliesoap.com.